Hallelujah. Glory be to God. If you can uh, get your Bibles out with me. Bless God. Hi, Mama Ross. I didn't come in early enough for you to put your hands on my shoulder and pray. I look forward to that. Hallelujah. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Lord. Genesis chapter 11. If you were in Bible study on Wednesday, you would have uh, gotten to dig into this a little more. Uh, every family member that's here, I'm excited that you're here. We are excited that you're here. Our leadership team is excited that you're here. Genesis chapter 11. I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 9. And then we're going to go over to uh, Acts chapter 2 and read 12 verses. I know it's a lengthy portion, but we sped our time up to kind of make way for me to take my time and do a little bit of an exegesis. Reading from the New King James Version. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. It came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they formed, found a plain in the land of Sinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, then they said to one another, come, let us make brick and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is to the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we scattered, we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. And as they exclaimed this, God replies, verse 5, The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose or purpose to do will be withheld from them. Verse 7, come. Now God is Samming and his folk. I love this. Come, let us go down. And there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the entire earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, the name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the entire earth, the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. Acts chapter 2. 
Bless God. Verses 1. Now, uh, before you go there, I'm just going to mention that in chapter 1, in verse 4, it was said to them, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. I told you what daddy told me, and daddy told me to tell you wait. So we go to chapter 2 and read from verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, so they obeyed and were waiting. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound of heaven from heaven as the rushing of mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them uh, divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Hmm. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation on the heaven. And when this sound occurred, what was the sound of the Holy Spirit coming? as a mighty rushing wind. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speaking in their own language. If I was trying to be kind of cocky today, I would call this message two kinds of confusion. Because with Babel or Babel, they were confused after God messed them up. In this case, they're confused, not in a negative way. They're confused in an excited and positive way. How come you and I don't speak the same language, but I understand you? Isn't that amazing that we used to think that confusion means confusion? And now we understand from two instances in the word that there could be a good confusion and a bad confusion. That God could be there and the kind of, it's orderly confusion. Only God can create orderly confusion. <laughs> Somebody's going to think about that when you get home. Whew. Okay, verse 6. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galilean? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthian, Medes, 
Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia. I mean, it just goes on and on. You see all the names there. Don't need to mess them up any longer. Cretans, Arabs, verse 11. We hear them speaking in our own tongue and wonderful works, the wonderful works of God. So, so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Whatever could this mean? The word of God is blessed. I'm going to settle on the topic this morning, the meaning of true unity. I think during this season of Christmas, in not just America, but the entire world, there has systematically be, been a dismantling of the true meaning of Christmas. And when the true meaning of Christmas has been dismantled, then you come up, or the world comes up, with a dysfunctional explanation of what it means to be unified. There are many people right now, if you talked to them about the meaning of unity, their reply would be being able to spend money together, being able to eat together, being at the same job and having the same focus together. Uh, all kinds of meanings. The world has come up with its own meanings of what true unity for each person is. But can I say that there's a God kind of unity that trumps everything else? Can I say that this morning? Henry Ford said, coming together is a beginning. Keeping together is progress. Working together is success. Sounds good for a man to say that. The awesome Paul Bear Bryant, the heralded coach of Alabama for uh, 25 years, he won uh, six championships and I believe 12 or 13 conference championships, national, six national and uh, 13 conference. He was the first to do that. Now we've got Nick Saban coming up behind. Well, he's past him now. But, but he, was, he was the benchmark for a long time. Paul Bear Byron said, in order to have a winner, the team must have a feeling of unity. Every player must put the team first, ahead of personal glory. In order to have a winner, the team must have a feeling of unity. Every player must put the team first, ahead of his personal glory. He was staking his reputation on that. That the only reason I'm the winningest coach 
And the only reason I have attained what I have attained on the national stage of college football is because I instill this in my players. Another famous individual said, our flag is not just one of many political points of view. Rather, the flag is a symbol of our national unity with every kind of messy thing that we've been hearing in the media, you wouldn't think that we're talking about the same flag. But that's the result of any situation that is focused on building unity without God. We started with godly unity in America with our forefathers. And gradually, we have drifted away from godly unity. And it doesn't matter what you say, what I say. The more we move away from godly unity, the more we will be involved in natural selfish unity. So you begin to see things like and hear things like, We're unified because we have the NAACP. Or we're unified because we are Republicans. And when you come and dig to the very bottom of everything, even within themselves, they are fighting each other. But there's somebody that trumped all of them before they ever spoke. Here's what Psalms 133 says, and this trumps everything that we've heard from all these famous people. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers or brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like precious oil upon the head, running down the beard, the beard of Aaron, or Aaron, running down on the edge of his garment. It is like dew, or the dew of Hermon, descending from the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commended the blessing life forevermore. Is there someone here that wants command of the blessing life forevermore on them? Do we have someone here that would that that is saying put my name on the list for a stamp of God's blessing life forevermore? I don't know about you, but I want my name on that list. I want my name stamped by God himself. For the Lord commanded a blessing on what? On those who are unified in him. What is the blessing? Life forevermore.
Can you get that in politics? No. Can you get that in your regular family? No. Can you get that by being a best friend to someone else? No. Can you get, can you get that by being closer to your twin brother or your spouse than you are to God? No. See, every time we trade unity outside of Christ for the unity we can have in Christ, the first thing we are messing with is eternal forever more blessing. The blessing of being able to live eternally. I want us to get that. Every time we insist on not submitting to the unity of Christ over every other kind of unity, whether we know it or not, we are messing with our eternal entry into heaven. Is this what it's saying? Yes, it is. You know why I know it's saying that? I'm going to jump ahead and take us directly to the end of the book. Would you pull up Revelation 7 for me, please? This is what you and I have to expect when we get there. Does anyone want to know what to expect when you get there? Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. When you make it into heaven and you are standing with all of the other saints, this will be what we hear. After these things, I looked. This is God giving John a vision of what to expect. And in his vision in Revelation, this is what he sees. I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could count of all nations tribes want you to look at the description very carefully because you can't change the word of god to match your own feeling you can't change the word of god to match your own feeling you'll either obey and follow what god says or you just decide to walk away like the rich wrong you ruler Included in this multitude is people of all nations, people of all tribes, people of all kinds of tongues, speech, standing before the throne and before the Lamb of God, Jesus himself, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice saying salvation belongs to our God salvation belongs to our God salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. There are four points that I would like us to 
get very quickly as we dig into this. As a matter of fact, I'm also going to go directly to the bottom so that you can have this written down because this is our prayer for 2020. I believe this is what God has given me and everything that we do is going to come out of this. There are A, B, C, and D. D is a result. The first thing that I believe God is giving me for us as a vision for 2020 is one we've already been praying for. I'm asking that each of us include this in our daily prayer. Whatever else you pray, when you go into 2020, pray this. A, God, give me an overflow of your agape love. Do you understand today that you cannot avoid racial tension and racial divide without the infilling of God's agape love? Let me say that again. Do we understand that you cannot avoid the nasty, messy, cantankerous spirit of racism creeping up within you unless you are filled with the agape love of God? Let me give you a good example, and I shared it uh, in Bible study so that I can really find out more about me. I've been doing some things outside of church, and those activities have led me to be up close and personal, helping, cleaning, bathing, all kinds of stuff, individuals. So one person I'm working with right now, through hospice, under the uh, possibility of being a uh, chaplain, uh, has been a pastor, was a pastor for 40 years and led three or four different churches with thriving congregations. Many of the people that have come to visit him during the five, six hours that I spend with him, bathing, doing all of the stuff that you would do to someone that is incontinent, First of all, God put me there because we've been praying about some stuff, about my own behaviors of pride and haughtiness. And uh, as I prayed, God said to me, go clean some behinds. And he wouldn't move from there, so that's where I am. I went to visit him three or four times, and as I bade him and whatever, he was fine, smiling, not responding in words, but he was, I could work with him. I went back uh, after, this was my fifth visit, and as I walked in the room, he looks at me and he says, you, and he called me a word, just came out. I, I knew not to respond 
because what has happened is he is at stage four, three dementia going into stage four. And at that stage, you begin to lose your ability to control your own thoughts. When you get to stage four, you are literally running on just emotion. Or we would call it animal response because you're not thinking no more. Your faculties are gone. Here's what I found out that, that I did not realize. That we can play around church as much as we want to. You can play around unity and I love you as much as you want to. But let something like dementia hit you. And when you get to the point that is beyond faculty and thinking and you can't control yourself anymore, what is inside, deep, buried in that emotion that God never took care of, is going to come out like gangbusters on somebody. You don't have to fool me or Pastor Ron or any other preacher. Here it is, a man of God who has been pastoring, led hundreds of people to Christ, and when his faculty, his thinking ability is gone, that base emotion that was hidden and never given to God suddenly jumps out and his poor wife almost fell to the ground because she's been married to him for almost 50 years and didn't know that on all of this shouting and praising God, there was a hidden spirit of racism. I'm talking to everybody across racial barriers here. And I did not respond. I knew what's in there is coming out. He's at stage four. He's probably got a year to two years left. That connects to point one. Any action by us, humanity, to take the glory and ownership of what God has created has to and will be destroyed. Somehow it's going to get messed up. I want you to go back to what we read in Genesis, they are discussing something that I want us to see very clearly. Verse 2 of Genesis 11, and it came to pass as they journeyed, who are they? All the people on the earth. They're, they've got one language and one speech, meaning they're, they're speaking the same way, and they all use the same alphabet, vo vocabulary. The same words mean the same thing for everyone. They're moving as an earthbound people. And it says, 
They said to one another in verse 3, Come, let us make brick. Bake them thoroughly. Then they go to verse 4, and they say to each other, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is to the heavens. Do you guys see where the mess up is? You are not black because you wanted to be black. You're not white because you wanted to be white. You're not Puerto Rican because you wanted to be Puerto Rican. You are the color you are because God said so. That's what we know. See, I'm just telling you what you know. But this is what most of us or many of us don't know. And that is, we cannot behave like something that God created in us has ownership by us. <laughs> the only reason there is racial divide in the world is because any one person, any group of people at any time, black, white, pink, or Chinese, decided that they are going to take ownership of what was never theirs. That is the reason why they could stand up and say, let us make bricks. Let us build a tower that goes to the heaven. You couldn't do anything because God allowed you all to have the same language and same speech. And now you're talking about us? Do you understand that the reason he allowed you all to have the same speech and the same language is so that you all could worship him in choir? Oh, Do you understand that the reason he allowed them to all be speaking the same language and speaking with the same words and using the same vocabulary is not so they could say to themselves, we are one, let us build together. The reason God allowed it in the first place is because he enjoys the worship of his creation. Oh, bless God. And if you are here this morning and you miss the blessing of worshiping God as his creation, and instead you worship your color, you worship your, your culture, you worship your ethnicity, you worship anything else. The Bible said God himself will come down and mess it up. God himself will come down just like he did here. Why? Because he comes down. He said, let us come down, go down. And he looks at them and he sees very clearly 
that they don't understand why they were created. Point number two, any attempts at creation, at creating unity without God will ultimately end in confusion and chaos. So number point A and B are all together. I just talked about them. God is not going to sit by at any point and allow you or me or anybody to say, I got money, I work for it. I got ethnicity, I was born into it. I got culture, yes siree. Because that belongs to him. He decided what color you are. And the minute your head gets so big that you think you had something to do with it so you can build on it yourself, he's going to kick it out. Verse 8 to 9 says, So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. He didn't do this because he wanted to do it. He did it because they did not understand why he created them with one language and one tongue and one vocabulary and it was only to worship him. Number three. The world wants us, this is big, the world, the people on your job, the people in your family, this is the reason God, Jesus said, if you are going to follow me, you're going to have to be able to make the decision before it ever happens in your head that you're going to hate your brother, you will hate your sister, meaning that you're going to walk away from them and don't look back. Oh, oh, I can't do that, Pastor. Uh, I, no, it doesn't matter what. I, I couldn't do that. Really? One of the building stones of Scientology in America is the fact that they have succeeded for over 50 years in making people leave their families forever because they don't believe in Scientology. Walk away. I've seen it. The, what's the young lady's name that's been busting them wide open? Forgot her name. That she, her family was in there. Remedy, there you go. And she says, there are families that were in Scientology where the mother was taken away from the family 
Because the husband did not want to become a part of Scientology when the baby was only two months old. And because Scientology says you can't walk away, mix with them because they don't believe, you need to be with us. And don't ever talk to them again. Don't ever call them. Don't ever see them or smile with them. If you pass them in a grocery store, you don't say anything. And yet, I have believers that are telling me today within the Christian church that they can't take a stand against a family member who refused to respect the God in them. You can't hang with me, man. You, you, can't, you can't hang with me because that's how radical I'm becoming. I will walk away from my own mom if she makes a decision to walk away from God. She'll get the usual, hey mom, how you doing? She'll get a visit now and then, but she ain't going to have the same relationship we have now. Because I'm with God and she's not. The world wants us to conform, listen to this, this is important, to unity of sameness. The world wants us to conform to unity of sameness. You dress like me, you look like me, we do the same job together, we are, we are the same. Therefore, we can be in unity with each other. But God is calling us to unity within diversity. Let me say this again. The world is, is calling and pushing and pressing you to conform to unity within sameness. Unity within color, unity within politics, unity within your job, unity within your family. And God is saying, if you're going to be my kind of unified person, if you're going to walk with my kind of mind, you have to put all of that behind and sweep it aside and put me first. Because my vision of unity is, a, is unity within diversity. Acts 2, 4, and 8, you don't have to go to it. We just read it a little while ago, but I'm just refreshing you as to why I'm saying that. Acts 2, uh, verses 4 through 8 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Remember what happened with Babel, right? With Babel. They had the same language, same tongue, but they didn't know they were there to glorify and worship God. And God said, I made you, I made you the color you are, I made you the, the, the ethnicity you are. You don't understand that you're here for me, and I'm not just here for you. You are here for me. And he messed it up. But in Acts 2, he says, wait, I'm sending somebody who will bring true unity among you. If somebody says they are spirit-filled and is still struggling with racial 
tension within themselves. It happens all the time. You just need to be aware of it and you need to take it to God. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under the heavens. And when the sound, what sound? The sound of the mighty rushing wind of the Holy Spirit came. Unity came. What kind of unity? Unity of sameness? That's not what we read here. It says, and when the sound occurred, the multitude came together. They were confused, but not in a negative way. Why? Because everyone heard each other speak in his own language. So they were different, but together. This is how God works. This is what the Holy Spirit is here to do. To not make you want to lose your, your ethnic identity, but to have the infilling of the Holy Spirit to supersede your ethnicity and my ethnicity. Somebody needs to praise God right there. The Holy Spirit came not just to give power. We're going to get to that. One of the first things he did one of the first reasons he came that we don't hear preaching about is to eliminate race division. It says it right there. They were all speaking in their own languages. Didn't take that away from them. But, but by the power of Holy Spirit unity, they could hear and understand each other. The last is, 1207, the last point is, and I mentioned it before, so it's, Holy Spirit doesn't come just to, just to create unity. That's what I believe one of the first things, reasons why the Holy Spirit was sent, and we don't talk about it, and it says it right there in Acts. Make them unified, even though they were speaking different languages, they could understand each other. They could fellowship. They could have koinonia with each other across race and language because the Holy Spirit brought supernatural understanding. Anyone wants supernatural understanding? Anyone wants God to give them supernatural agape love so that people, it doesn't matter what attitude you see in front of you, God comes out. It doesn't matter what, what people say to you, God comes out. It doesn't matter what someone threatens you with or calls you, God comes out. He said, oh, if you want it, all you need to do is ask. Just ask, please just ask. One of the other major results of supernatural Holy Spirit coming down is the power to do. Let me say that again. One of the other, the first one I mentioned was to bring unity across ethnicity. 
Acts 2, 4 through 8. The second is one of the major, the other major results of supernatural Holy Spirit is, to, is the power to do. The power to do. I'm ending right there. But I got to tell you, I'm tired. I'm tired of being involved in any church that is not walking in the power to do. It's tiring. It's t DJ, it's tiring to be involved with any set or group of people calling on the name of Jesus and there is no power to do, Luida. It is the reason he came. He sent Holy Spirit so you and I could have the power to do. To do. Can I go over that daily prayer list one more time? For 2020, and I'm asking everyone here. That God will give us an overflow of his agape love. Thank you, Jesus. I don't want to be, I don't want to move up, be, be moved off of my perch with God because somebody said something nasty to me. I don't want to react. I want to respond. For many years, I've been a reactor. You say something to me that sounds kind of sideways. I'm going to let it fly. But I don't want that no more. I want to be filled to overflow with God's agape love. I want to be filled to overflow. I want a heightened spirit of spiritual discernment. So I don't waste my time. I believe some of us have been very frustrated because God said if you go someplace and you meet with somebody or you, you hang around some people and they don't uh, connect with the God in you. They don't want to connect with the God in you. He said, dust your feet off and walk away. You know why many of us keep trying after God said walk away? Because we don't have a heightened spirit of discernment. We can't hear God saying, walk away. Walk, walk away. I'm going to give somebody else this job. You've done what you're supposed to do. Walk away. God, give me a heightened spirit of spiritual discernment. So I know when you're talking to me, you don't have to say five, six, seven times. I'm connected and I hear you. I said, oh God, go the other way, Lord. Okay. Lord, give us an overwhelming spirit of holy unity. A unity like Acts, where they're different. They're like different food. They've got different twangs in their speech. They come from different parts. 
People that come from, from Charleston do not sound like people from Lake City. An overwhelming of Holy Spirit unity. So that it doesn't matter that you like Chinese and I don't like it. Doesn't matter that, you know, you have your own ethnic taste and I really don't like that. One of my customers loves, loves uh, Kuhn. And he's talking to me, he said, we're going out. He showed me the three, they caught three or four Coons. He said, we're gonna strip them down. We're gonna, we're gonna have some Coon dinner. Barbecue Coon. God is gonna test you in several ways. Because this, this particular client has been very standoffish with me. And I could hear Holy Spirit says, eat coon. <laughs> oh, you laughing because you didn't eat it. Never eaten coon in my life, but I heard a voice says, eat coon. It's your way in. It wasn't prayer. Wasn't testifying. It was eating coon. I go back four days later and they got a whole pot of barbecue coon. The father's there with a plate. He's got a toothpick in. He's, and he's eating coon. And he says, Go ahead, dig in, dig in. And I said, Thank you, Father. I started praying in the spirit. I got a Got a, got a plate, I got two spoonfuls, and I kept praying as I ate because I, I just naturally, I, I cooled, I, it, it wasn't just going down. <laughs> but I will tell you, it has been a breakthrough for me in that home. On the heels of that coon dinner, daughter asked me to pray. She's about to graduate from college from Francis Marion. And she's praying for placement. Would you pray? I said, Lord, I, I don't mind. I will pray. I said, Lord, this is your child. She's graduating as an RN, and she needs good placement in front of the mom and dad. I said, you're God and God alone. And you can give good placement. She got a call two days later from MUSC, hadn't even graduated yet. I'm convinced, I don't know about you, but I'm convinced had I not listened and eat coon, there would have been a different result. The last one is if you and I begin to fan ourselves with the spirit of unity, one of the other results of Holy Spirit bringing unity is Holy Spirit giving you power. You're going to lay your hand on stuff and it shall happen. You're going to pray over people and it shall happen. You're going to pray over situation and it shall have breakthrough. You're going to put your hand and pray over illnesses and you will have the glory of God come down. 
Why? Because it is a result of unity in the Holy Spirit. Pray with me. Dear Father, I thank you, man. I thank you. You're such a good God. You're such a good God, and I thank you. I, I don't know who the word spoke to, but I just did what you said. We are your people this morning, and we ask you, oh God, to give us the true meaning of unity in our spirit. In our spirit, we want to be truly unified in our spirit. We want to be truly unified in our spirit. We want to be one in the spirit, one in the Lord, one. Oh God. Would you stand with me, please? There's several people who have, God may be talking to right now that needs breakthrough. We're going to dismiss the service very quietly. And you just want someone to stand by you and pray. If you're a lady, one of the ladies will come and stand by you, put their hands on your shoulder. It's Judy, it's Angela, it's Carol, any of you ladies who are spirit-filled, if you're a lady that needs God to do that for you, to fill you with this kind of spirit that I've been talking about, take you into the new year filled with the presence of God that breaks down barriers. We're going to pray for you. If you're a man that's feeling the same way, I invite you to let one of us, myself, Esteron, Daniel, DJ, one of us are going to come and stand by you. Grant any one of the men Father, we thank you for your word today. As you were talking, because your word never stops speaking, you were the word, you never stop speaking. We just don't hear you. Father, let the word go forth and do what you want it to do. For those who are coming for prayer, break whatever is in them that is stopping them, blocking their spiritual artery from receiving your glory. In Jesus' name, cover those of us who are leaving. Bring us back safely for Bible study and the celebration on Saturday. And even the Christmas program next Sunday. Watch over and keep us safe in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would quietly greet each other. If there's anyone that needs prayer, come on up.